Welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show. Uh, we are just starting hour two, and to my left we have Hackmaster Ralph W. Basham, MD, and Andy Brant Bernard. And filling in for Tom, I am Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back uh, with our guest uh, Cornelia Davis. She is a doctor, and she is going to talk about how the breakthroughs in medical science and uh, medical studies uh, with prominent African-American doctors because it is still Black History Month. So we'll be right back here on the Tom Bernard Show. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. That works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back here on the Tom Bernard Show. I am Cassie Schrader filling in for Tom, and we have our guest, uh, Dr. Cornelia Davis, who is an author and a speaker and a renowned epidemiologist and disease detective, which I kind of like that, disease detective. She was sent by the World Health Organization to Ethiopia in the 90s to prevent and control meningitis epidemics which you know, we all know what meningitis can do to a you know yes. a whole community. And um, thank you for all the medical science and discoveries and work that you do. I'm fascinated by this topic. And we do have our resident doctor, Dr. Ralph Basham. Um, you've written two books, Searching, is it Satala Mata? 
Cetalamata. Mata. Okay, eradicating smallpox. And the three years in Ethiopia and how the civil war and epidemics led me to my daughter. Um, and it, it is Black History Month. And over the break, we were talking about Henrietta Lacks. She is not a doctor, but I was talking to Andy and Ralph about her, how she contributed to medical science with uh, what it, it's called, what is it, a, a gene that she had? Uh, the HeLa cells. The HeLa cells. And, um, but you are also here to talk about how a lot of African-American doctors have contributed to the world in medical science and studies and, um, and how they have helped create breakthroughs in that. Yes, absolutely. Um, because it is Black History Month, I think it's important that people realize um, how much African American doctors have done. Um, I might mention, um, well, one of um, the well-known doctors, and he's who's currently in the news all the time now, Dr. Ben Carson. Mm-hmm. He was the first neurosurgeon to successfully separate conjoined twins attached at the back of the head. Now, um, Dr. Carson was one of the youngest physicians to direct the pediatric neurosurgery at Baltimore's Johns Hopkins Hospital. You know, currently he's um, in this administration's um, Department of uh, Housing and Urban Development, but as a physician, I mean, a neurosurgeon, he really uh, contributed uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, um, too, well, I was going to say, too, um, I mean, even even the uh, an ophthalmologist, uh, Patricia Bath, how she was popularizing laser surgery for cataracts, and now laser surgery is everywhere. Everybody's getting, you know, lace. My dad just had cataract surgery on both eyes. So what kind of mm-hmm. breakthroughs did she make um, in that kind of field? Well, actually, Dr. Patricia Bath uh, was the first black female physician awarded a patent for a medical invention. Mm-hmm. And that invention, she was an ophthalmologist. Uh, it was a new advice, device and technique for cataract surgery, and it was called laser saco. And uh, it was used um, now, that was a while ago, and I'm sure there have been improvements on the laser. But she did the first, um, she got the patent for the first uh, invention on that, and that was a female, black female physician. Oh, wow. I, I find this stuff so yeah. fascinating, just the the intuition that these physicians do to to see the bigger picture in things. I mean, Ralph, what kind of um, – have you come up with any type of – All right, now you're putting me on the spot. Any, any type <laughs> of patent that makes me rich and not have to do this? No, I haven't. But, you know, but, but the, the combination of uh, being in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and then having the intellect – and the intestinal fortitude to get be, to get your idea recognized and then uh, published and then patented. It's just, it's a huge it's a Patent huge it. mm-hmm. a huge jump. I mean it that it is it is it's Herculean. Um, mm-hmm. 
You have to be creative and um, you have to have a vision uh, and then be able to research that out. And not every physician can do that. But, you know, as you said, uh, you have to be somewhere at the right time and putting two and two together. That's right. Mm -hmm. yeah, because I mean, okay, I'm I'm reading in in the description here, uh, Doctor Charles Drew, he was the one that pioneered blood transfusions. Now, when you think about it, yes. how many lives have been saved because of Char- Doctor Charles Drew? You know, it, and it's just one person he- with this vast impact. And I find that so fascinating. And you even helped eradicate smallpox in India, and you were the first black woman to be admitted to the University of California in San Francisco in the late 60s. And I find that... Yes. <laughs> I find that fascinating. I want to talk about Dr. Drew first. Yes, go ahead. Um, well, Dr. Charles Drew, um, he was the first to figure out how to use blood plasma to store blood for transfusion. And this was particularly important, of course, during the Second World War. Obviously, Mm -hmm. in a war, you need blood. You need to be able to transport it to get it to where it's supposed to be. And um, it was Dr. Drew who pioneered those those methods and organized the first large-scale blood bank in the U.S. during the World War II. Mm -hmm. Following the war, Dr. Drew was asked to develop the blood storage program at the American Red Cross, but he resigned soon after starting when officials there decided to begin segregating the blood of African Americans from white Americans. I mean, it was not necessary to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's someone who invented the whole blood transfusion methods, and then you you do some vastly discriminatory thing. Uh, absolutely stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Dr. Drew went on to be chief surgeon at Freedman's Hospital in Washington, D.C. So... Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and see, during the Civil War, or not Civil War, sorry, uh, the Civil Rights Movement. World War II? Uh, well, oh, right. even, yeah, even in World War II into the Civil Rights Movement, you know, African Americans could not access the education that the white Americans could get going to these universities and stuff, especially in the South. So it's almost like they had to fast track and advance themselves uh to gain the education they needed to get into the field, in the medical field, I guess you would say. In the medical field. Yeah, and I find that... Yes, I mean... Very honorable that they did that, you know, that they really put themselves, threw themselves into the mix and, and went with it and drove hard and succeeded in what they had to do. And they had a lot of makeup time that they had to gain. And we were just kind of talking about that, about Henrietta Lacks, that when they found her, mm. um, the Gila, uh, when they were putting out peer reviews, they weren't saying that she was an African-American because 
uh, white yeah. America at that time. I can assure you they would have had. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, they were like, well, we don't want an African-American gene put into our, you know, medical studies and stuff like that. But her, the Gila, the Gila has saved thousands, millions of lives today. Thousands. Yeah. Yes. And it's used so Absolutely. much. Yeah. So. And finally, she's getting recognition for that. And I hope, I think her family should get some monetary mm-hmm. um, uh, amount also because uh, people have made money off of that, Gila. And so some of that should go back to the source, the person who, who gave that. Um, but I think uh, certainly after the Civil War, uh, African-Americans that wanted to go to medical school, there were only two medical schools that were available for them that they could get into. One was Meharry in Nashville, Tennessee, and the other was Howard University uh, School of Medicine in Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, if you can only um, apply and be admitted to only two schools, that's really limiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that they're, you know, with the uh, uh, intensity and the desire for absolute segregation, so to speak, it's, it's, it's a wonder that they never developed a, an all-black medical school. Um, you know, in, in, unless Howard was an all-black medical school, I, I, I don't know that. It is. Those are two, they're, they're, those are the two, they're, I'm sure, well, I can't say I'm sure. Uh, probably uh, they did admit some uh, white students, but they were uh, primarily for uh, African Americans. So you could apply to Meharry or to Howard, mm-hmm. um, 99% uh, African American. But you have, you know, 70 medical schools. So you have uh, people who live in all the states. And uh, not to be able to go to the medical school in your state, um, it's, um, you, you know, it was really limiting. Because if you couldn't get in, then you had to figure out what you were, else you were going to do, you know, with your life. Um, but even after you got your medical degree, um, it was extremely difficult to go into um, specialties. Uh, actually, my dad um, was an orthopedic surgeon, um, and his father um, was um, a general practitioner. So I'm third-generation African-American doctor. Um, my grandfather, he went to the University of Illinois because he, when he went to school, um, the University of Illinois was open to African-Americans right after the Civil War. By the time my dad came up to go to school, uh, Illinois was not open, and he went to Meharry. But he could not get admitted to any residency for orthopedics, and he had to go to the U.K., to Britain, to do his orthopedic training. Now, Crazy. Now, your grandfather was admitted to the University of Illinois, and what? What? what how, yes, but what, that was right after. What kind of a black epiphany the, uh, right. occurred 
between yeah, the end of the Civil War and your father wanting to go to uh, medical school that they said that they were medical not going to accept school. black students anymore. Well, what was the reasoning well, behind that? Makes no sense. Well, I, I haven't researched um, Illinois, but, you know, right after uh, the Civil War, and then in the South, I mean, I wouldn't say Illinois is in the South, but that whole Reconstruction, Jim Crow laws, it became, you know, and more and more uh, universities, I mean, they were restricted. But uh, he definitely couldn't, I mean, by the time... My, my father wanted to go to medical school. There were only two black medical schools available. Yeah, that, it's, it, it just seems that it's such a dark thing to say, to, to, to um, promulgate the, this uh, segregation after the Civil War when they had, it, it was, hey, well, I mean, this would be a good idea. Let's get everybody involved. And they said, no, we don't want to get involved anymore. It, it, that, that is so counter to... You know, the thinking that, you know, uh, that or le- legitimate thinking or logic thought process, it just makes no sense. But clearly, uh, even amongst physicians and even amongst uh, medical school uh, 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 staff or uh, administrators, that they thought that uh, segregation or not segregation, limitation of education was still a good idea. And, discrimination, yeah. Yeah, discrimination, yeah. You know, the American Medical Association did not initially let African-American doctors join. (laughs) And that's why um, the uh, African-Americans developed their own association. It's called the National Medical Association. It's the nation's oldest and largest organization representing black physicians. And it was this organization that kept on petitioning the American Medical Association to take in, to admit African-American doctors. I mean, it's just been a continuous fight. Well, anyway. um, Well, it does say you like to be known as Connie, but uh, Dr. Cornelia David, (laughs) or Connie... (laughs) Um, we will post links to your books. I'll post a link to your website. Okay. And if anybody listening would like to know more about it's uh com. And thank you so much for your contribution. Um, I find this topic fascinating, uh, especially being an epidemiologist. I was just talking to Andy how cool that is to kind of. Yes, <laughs> yes, like that, huh? I do, uh-huh. I do. Um, but thank you so much. And uh, like I said, we'll post uh, links uh, to your book and your website. And hopefully you'll website. continue. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, hopefully you'll continue the great works that you do. And uh, we'll be right back here on the Tom Bernard Show. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. 
It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. We are back here on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Cassie Schrader, filling in for Tom. Um, sorry, I'm having headphone difficulties here. Again? Like hearing, like, yeah, I think I have a bad... Uh, yeah, I think your headphones might need to be replaced. Yeah, I got some weird oh, issues. Cord. I can all of a sudden, I'll hear on one, one side, and then it'll go away, and I can only hear on the other mm-hmm. side. <laughs> um, well, I was talking to Andy, uh, speaking of, like, contagious diseases uh when i was on the walker stalker cruise they were screening you know different types of films and it kind of falls into the zombie uh, genre where you get a bite and you're infected and next thing you know your body parts have fallen off but they showed the movie contagion which is about this um virus i i i don't even know if they gave it a name in the in the movie but good question yeah because it's about like this bat poops and then the pig eats it and then the chef is putting and then she goes over to asia i think japan or something and they cook this pig whole and the you know the chef's putting his fingers in the pig's mouth to shove you know spices and onions and stuff down it and Mm. then he just wipes his hands off on his apron and goes and shakes her hand and then next thing you know she's got this weird virus that attacks the brain it's like it starts off like a flu they call it MEV1, meningoencephalitis virus 1. Yeah. And, of course, where does she live? Where does she fly back to? Minneapolis, Minnesota in the movie. And I'm like, oh, geez, why do you got to pick this town for the? <laughs> you know, that's – we're so cold here, nothing survives here. I It is nasty out. I was on the cruise. That would survive. I would – you know, being on the cruise in the sun in, like, 80-some degree weather – and then coming back, the pilot's like, yeah, it's negative one. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I even brought, I, I, w- I was smart, though, because I brought an extra pair of pants in my carry-on bag because I knew I was going to have to put them over my leggings because it was warmer but, when I left. But and Let's get back to the virus that rots your brain. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it was, it, it's, it's like, um, I'm trying to. Th- like Kuru or Scrapey. Yeah, well, it's like in the in the movie, it starts Ugh. off like a flu, like you have a severe yeah. cold and flu, fever, cough, but then like it attacks and it causes you to have like these seizures and your 
it like basically fries your brain, this virus. So the chef got it too. He must have, yeah. But they never showed him. I don't remember in the movie if they showed him dead or not. But I guess it like spreads really fast and the incubation period for this virus is very short. Like within a day, you're presenting symptoms. Yeah, so a, lot, a lot of those are a lot of those, uh, those viruses or the slow viruses, and the incubation period is a long time. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say it sounds more like bacterial meningitis, but yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah, but that th- would kill the people so fast that it couldn't become an epidemic. To basically, me, yeah. that kind of stuff is scary because if you think about it, when you get on a plane, and like if a sick person gets on a plane, and Everything that they touch in the airport, mm-hmm. on the plane, when they get off the plane, how they travel to where they're going, whether it's on a bus. If, if, if you have any tendencies toward OCD, this will be the time to turn. This, <laughs> to I've re- turned Melissa on to uh, wiping down her plane seat with uh, wet naps Yep. when we get on the plane. Yeah. That's what I did. I got. I had my wet ones. Two, I, wa- two ways to look at it. I would get sick every time I flew until I started doing that. There's two ways to look at it. One is you accept the exposure and it's part of your microbiome and you're diversifying your microbiome. Mm-hmm. Or you, you, on the short term, you don't want to be sick, so you wipe everything down. Mm-hmm. So well, I... Well, I can tell you this. Cruise ships, well, we take the, the cruise that we were on. <laughs> cruise yeah. toilets? Well, no. The, the cruise ship that we were on is Norwegian. It was Norwegian Cruise Line. A good line. And they are very, very strict about constantly sanitizing. I mean, when every time you walk into the buffet, yeah. they spray. They have a spray bottle. Somebody And they're so, they're so cute. They, they, they're singing songs. They're happy, happy, spray your hands, make them clean. You know, they're very chipper about it because they don't want people to be like, no, I don't want you to touch me. But, yeah, they'll spray your hands down. They have portable, like, hand, sanitize, hand sanitizer stations where you just stick yeah. your hand under and it drops sanitizer on. They have them all over the ship. Because Lord knows we've heard the horror stories of the norovirus going around a cruise line. Yeah. And, and even though they've instituted exceptional precautions and exceptional uh, protocols with regards to controlling a norovirus. So if someone gets sick on the ship and, the, mm. and they find out about it, they are quarantined in yes. their quarters. Even then, I mean, even though – it, even even with the hand washing, it, it still happens. And there's more, mm-hmm. more than one cruise. Where, I mean, they bring them back and everybody's you know, puking as they're getting off the ship. Yeah. Well, if you think about it. If somebody was to get on the, and they even have you felt like a little health waiver. Yeah, it's like, do you have a fever or anything? Yeah, have you had? If you go on a cruise ship, cruise ship with a fever, throwing up diarrhea, fever, cough, cold within the last like forty-eight hours or something like that, you have to check these boxes. But um, I mean, like, if somebody was to get on the ship that had, you know, hasn't even presented any symptoms yet. And like let's say day day two they start presenting symptoms. Think of all the stuff they've touched since yep. they've been on the ship. You go to a buffet, they're touching the the spoons to put the food on your plate. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I even bring it, even though I sanitize my hands going into the buffet, I bring my little bottle of hand sanitizer or sanitizing wipes. Because every time I touch one of those things, I'm thinking of everything that's been on that spoon. Yeah, but that person washed their hands when they came in. Not, I don't know for Did sure. They? Yeah. Do and, I have? And, and that's a, that, that's the OCD yeah, uh, argument know. that you get into 
is, you know, I see people that wash their hands in the bathroom and they take the paper towel and they open the door and, they, and then they throw the paper towel away thinking they've just done some great thing. Or they turn the faucet off with their paper towel, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. But then they go to the next door mm-hmm. and the last person that didn't wash their hands, they got poop on their hands. They put poop on that door. <laughs> yeah. you, you use that door handle, don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a universal exposure that you have, and you can only you think you're doing something great because that's where the greatest risk is. But the reality is, it's everywhere. Yeah, it is. It. You just try to have to minimize your contact right. with that. The and... cruise ships should do what they do in in Japan, mm-hmm. because we went when we flew to Tokyo, we got off the plane and we're coming down, and it may have been, it may have been before immigration, or maybe just after immigration. You were walking down this hallway, and I looked ahead, and there were it was, it was like a little. Uh, a little t- a little stand like a tripod or some such thing mm-hmm. had a little sensor on it, and they were scanning everybody's body temperature. Oh mm. wow! And if you were That's walking, smart. if you were walking down that causeway and you had your body temperature wasn't right, it was a little bit up. You went right in mm-hmm. to a little clinic, the little clinic area. They did an examination, and if they didn't like the looks of what you had, you went back on that plane and went back to your wow back to where wow. you're from. They, they did not tolerate. That's smart. Oh, yeah, well, it is smart. And particularly on a cruise Especially because they live so close to China, which is where a lot of these things start. Because <laughs> there's just, you know, probability-wise, one-sixth of all epidemics are going to start in China. So Yeah, because you had, like, the SARS, the swine flu, yep. bird flu. Yeah, they have all Ugh. sorts of stuff going on over there, and Japan does well, not see, want I, part of that. I mean, I have to be very careful, especially for digestive viruses like norovirus. Oh. Because of my Crohn's disease and stuff like that, because it can put me into a full-blown flare-up. And um, that's what triggered my Crohn's, actually, was a, a stomach bug. And, um, oh, God, it just... Yeah, they should scan everybody that comes on those cruise. Yeah. Scan them and see what your body temperature is. Well, passive. I mean, you could just get those temporal thermometers. As they're going on the ship, just swipe it across their forehead. And no, they just, they, just, they just scanned everybody, and everybody they just had to look at everybody walking down the IJ. So you're walking up, the, you go on a gangway. Yeah. You know, when you're walking up, you're pretty much only one or two in abreast. Everybody gets their scans. Oh, you got a little bit of fever. Why don't you come over here for a minute? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you come over here for a minute? Oh, uh, you're going back on, you know, well, here's your money back. You ain't coming on a cruise. Well, at least they give you your money back. Yeah, well, I think that's legitimate. Or say, here's your cruise credit for the next cruise. You ain't coming on this one. Yeah, just better. make sure you're healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, that is smart. Because, I mean, could you imagine just mm-hmm. all these Especially sick, in Tokyo. These sick people oh, getting yeah. on a, I mean, even on a plane. I was on the plane and these people are hacking and coughing. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm breathing the same air they I are. I know. And it just Don't makes me just. Don't go on the plane if you're ugh. sick, please. <laughs> it gives me the willies just thinking about it. And I'm like, I'm constantly <laughs> popping like. Emergency. Why don't, you, why don't you take a mask? Huh? Why don't you take one of the? One oh, of the, I have yeah. before. Like when mask. heights of flu season and stuff. Oh yeah, I'll wear a mask even at the grocery would store. Would you like? To, would, you like would you like me to hook you up with uh, one of the uh, sort of hazmat kind of suits they wear? And the, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, when someone has a has a, has a, a serious communicable disease, yeah. they have full face mask, breathing apparatus, separate. Well, yeah, they got a positive pressure everything. suit. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that uh, keeps everything out. And you're just yeah, we get you one of those. And you hook you up, and you just sit there. You know, you won't get anything. It'll just all be, you know, positive pressure blowing everything out. I have then a it's all your you, filth coming out of the thing. I have a feeling if you tried to get on a plane wearing one of those, they'd probably stop you. It'd be yeah. like, uh... They wouldn't be receptive. What's going on I would have been like, I was just on a zombie apocalypse cruise. I'm trying to protect myself here. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah, I just, oh, God, that stuff just gives me the... 
makes my skin crawl thinking about it because I'm just like, I don't want to get sick. I, I try and, uh, I mean, when my kids are sick, I'm like going around the house with Lysol. Yeah, and, my uh, mom used to do that. Clorox wipes. I'm wiping down handles and bathrooms. When there's, this is what you need. Here's, here, hear me out. Hear me out. Don't dismiss this out of hand like you would, normally would. Here's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Just like when, whenever you have in or in Australia, they have all the sheep and they want to get rid of ticks on the sheep and protect the sheep. So what they do is they have what's a, a tick dip, and they and they, they <laughs> march and march them down a ramp into a into a big old tank filled with filled with uh, ticks, t- anti-tick or tick medicine or tick yeah. decide, whatever you call it. And they w- start walking through there, and again, they, it soaks the wool completely. As, and then right at the end, they have a, someone with a stick, and it shoves their head underneath the water. <laughs> and sure that gets wet too. Down you so, go. So what you need to do is you need to get, you need to get, you know, a Lysol bath. So when they're yeah. sick like that, you have this big old tank of Lysol or, or bleach or whatever, and they're going in there, and they start walking down, you know, and they're, they're getting, I say, oh, you're getting all clean. And then at the end, you have that big old stick. And you shove <laughs> their head them under in the, the water, tub. Shove their head underneath the water. There you go. Get out there, and now you can have breakfast. <laughs> and you can uh, you can baptize them while you're at it. So yeah, yeah that's right. You, double <laughs> duty on that. You know, oh. they, their hair will be a little bit lighter with from the bleach, but hey, that's okay. That's yeah. a pay, that's a price of being healthy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It, oh God, uh, I know. Right now, um, my one son was throwing up a couple days oh. ago, and and the, there's colds going around, and it, and it's weird because we always get. I know exactly when they're gonna hit. Because usually it's right when school starts. Yep. Because kids are petri dishes. They're yes, just they disgusting are. human beings. <laughs> you know, they touch everything. They're licking everything. Fingers in their mouth. So usually between September and the beginning of November, it hits really hard. And then there's kind of this waiting period where one of them might get a little cold here and there. And then by mid-February, it kicks in again mm-hmm. for some reason. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened, mid-February. It's probably about how long it takes for, like, the cold virus to mutate or something. I don't know why, why but it's like we, clockwork. I hit the uh, – whenever I was a resident, I, my, when I was in general surgery, I had three months on the uh, general surgery service at Children's Memorial Hospital. And everybody mm-hmm. said, oh, when you're there – you know, you will. You know, you're going to be exposed to a lot of you know, a lot of colds, and you, you might feel sick for a while. And I just thought to myself, how bad could this be? I hit that thing, and within two or three days, I was sick, mm-hmm. and I was continuously sick for three months. Yeah. For three months, those kids had every imaginable virulent virus was coming in <laughs> and i wash my you wash your hands you're clean you know you're really you you, you wear gloves all the time and you are just you try to isolate yourself Pfft, no chance i was sick and just it wasn't i was sick to my stomach but i had cold run right after you when it just started getting better and all of a sudden boom another one yeah. another one half sore throat runny nose the whole time i was never so miserable in my life I ever know. i know my kid especially my youngest you know, he's only seven years old, and he he still loves to cuddle with his mom. And he'll come up to me and cough, like, right in my face. I'm be, he's like, I love you, Mom. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love you, too. Thanks. You know, it's just like, my God, cover your mouth. Um, but they do teach the kids to do the Dracula yes. cough, where you mm-hmm. put your mouth yes, into do. the crook of your elbow. And they call it, say, be Dracula, and they're supposed to, you know, because sometimes you have to. Well, then you're washing their shirt. What's on their shirt? And on that 
Mm. The cold. You're not. They're not touching your, you know, doorknobs and. Oh yeah, I take. I take their their clothes clothes with chopsticks and (laughs) throwing them in the in the washer. I'm like, I'm not touching this and. Usually, I mean, I. You know, there, 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 are, there are plastic bags that dissolve in hot water. We use we use them in the operating room. You, you, oh, really? Once you're done with the, any kind of fabric that you're going to have laundered, you put them in these bags, and they're everybody's protected and everybody's clean. And they, you should get some of those. And then you just have put your stuff in here, you seal it up, <laughs> and then you just take the whole plastic bag, you throw it in there, and the plastic bag goes away, and then everybody's happy. Yeah. Well, we were, our family was hit hard last year with H1N1. Uh, my one son mm. got it bad, and then he ended up with pneumonia from it. And then Dave got it. Oh, my gosh. I've never seen Dave that sick in my life. He was out for a week and a half on in in and out of bed. Dave sure gets sick a lot. Yeah. He, well, he, he, he doesn't get enough. He get his tonsils taken out. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's the panacea for chronic, in, for yep. chronic illness. Well, get your tonsils out. My Just one son did out. get his tonsils taken out because every, like, three weeks he was getting strep throat. He would test positive for strep, and I'm like, he cannot be on antibiotics every three weeks. So I'm like, we're pulling these tonsils out. I would get uh, tonsillitis probably every, like, two months for the longest time. As soon as I got him taken out, I haven't gotten a sore throat since. Yeah, he, he's gotten colds here and there, but, yeah, he's not as sick as he used to be. But we have to take a break. We'll be right back here on the Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Tom Bernard here. Hey, let me ask you, do you know me because you recognize my voice or my face? Good question, isn't it? Let me ask you another one. What do you think when I say priority courier experts? Do you know them because you recognize their trucks, or do you know them by their name? Well, let me tell you something you might not know about my friends at Priority. 485 local drivers, 85 office staff, 37 million deliveries since 1997, and an opportunity for you to join their company. Drivers, you can join the fleet in your own vehicle or lease to own one of theirs. Or you can join the office staff and earn the most respectable pay in the business with 15 days off in your first year. Medical, dental, matching 401k, and a genuine chance for advancement. Just ask Jeff, who started as a customer service rep and is now company controller. Over 5,000 Minnesota companies rely on priority. Because every time you call us, we deliver. Join the team today at Priority.com. That's Priority.com. Yeah, perfect. Quite the intro. Don't stand so close to me. Yeah. Back away. Well, we are back here on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Cassie Schrader filling in. Sorry, we've been talking about colds and flu viruses and the funny things that people do to avoid catching yes, anything. Have. Welcome back to the Pestilence Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Is there a Pestilence Podcast? That would be the... Oh, uh, that'd be great. The a Pestilence Podcast. <laughs> probably be popular. 
People the, like that kind of thing. It would be uh, the Pestilence and Curse podcast. Or what, what, what are they? Uh, the Plague. P- pestilence and Plague podcast. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to the Pestilence and Plague We're going to all come back with those. What were those masks called where they would put like all this sage and stuff up? It, it had like a long beak on it. It's like. The Plague Doctor masks? Yeah, the yeah. Plague Doctor. We'd all have to wear those. The what? The they they're they're, they're literally masks that have like these long beaks that they would stuff uh, a bunch of like clove and other you know very primitive antibiotic substances because then they could go around treating people with the plague and ostensibly not get it when all the yeah all the crap in there filters it's like a gas mask supposed to filter out your sinus pestis (laughs) yeah I don't know it was supposed to like catch all the viruses and all these herbs and whatever they were using, shoving up in these masks. But, yeah, you look like a big bird. I think pretty much what they wanted, they wanted to sort of cut the smell of what they were trying to deal with. That, too. That probably was Yeah, I'm sure they had some mint leaves up in there. Whenever I've been in uh, a city that's been around for a long time, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I always imagine what it would have been like walking down the streets of, say, Paris or London or yeah. Rome during uh, even 300 years ago or 400 years ago. It's like before sewers or indoor plumbing. And before uh, mm. significant health care, before uh, indigent were cared for in any way whatsoever, and people that would be sick. Uh, you know, suppose you had, you had a little cardiovascular disease and you, uh, you know, had a half-dead leg. You know, those people were just mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. with this odor of rotting and smelly you know hygiene wasn't wasn't a high priority then either so the idea of being out amongst people and Mm -hmm. and they never didn't clean up horse manure yeah i know things like so the odors must have been so rank gross just you you just just don't you don't think about it i mean it's it's hard to comprehend just how bad that must have been like for instance uh, in the coliseum Mm -hmm. the odor in the coliseum must have been unbelievable yeah. Well, yeah. yeah because oh, ancient blood everywhere. Yeah, all the time. Yep. Yeah. Uh. They couldn't clean that up. They didn't have hoses or zambonis. Yeah, they had sand. It just was yep. soaked just into the more sand. sand. Yeah. Uh, Jim, more sand. More I know, sand. I, I watch some of those period piece movies, and I just look at those people. I'm like, they have to reek. You know, yeah, of course. They didn't have deodorant <laughs> yep. back then. They didn't have toothpaste. They, they would didn't bathe. wander. They'd bathe like once a week, if that. I'm just like, oh, and, and these people are like kissing each other and like they're attracted. I'm like, gross. I'd be like, if it's know? what you grew up with, though, you get used to it. <laughs> oh. I kind of like this. Yeah, oh. I know. Ugh. It's just like, oh, I just want to bathe all these people and get them clean. <laughs> you What's know wrong with you? That's get like, clean that's, and just I, I, stay I'm, that way. Please. Please. I'm yeah. uncomfortable. And I'm going to wash all these people and make them clean. Uh, you know, maybe keep, I'll dunk them in a keep, pool keep of ice. Per, keep your personal preferences to yourself, please. I'll, I'll get that stick and shove their head <laughs> down there. Down the, oh god! Tick wash. Tick, tick wash. We uh, have Max Simon on the oh, phone. Oh great! Well, how are you doing, Max? Apparently not great. Oh, hello. Well, hopefully we can get Max mm. Simon back on. Um, he is the founder of the Green Flower Media, which is an educational platform to discuss the changing trends in cannabis and the continued misconceptions, which I find fascinating because I myself am a medical cannabis user. I went to a, a doctor that is legally 
can prescribe it in the state of Minnesota uh, for my Crohn's disease and rheumatoid arthritis. I go to the dispensary and they are very educational and there's no stigma. They don't make you feel like there's a stigma to it. Like you're a pothead or, you know, you're a stoner. That's, that is such a misconception, I think. And, you know, yes, when I do vape, I do get a head high, but I only do that at night right before bed. How, how is a head high different than a head rush? Uh, it lasts a little longer, a and, you, and you giggle a little more. When you have a head rush, I don't giggle when I have a head rush. I get real dizzy, yeah. but I don't get dizzy when I get a head high from uh, vaping my medical cannabis. Um, it does make me sleep very well. I do say, and I do that, take. That, that's the reason you, you you smoke the stuff. I mean, that's really one of the great things. It makes you weary and sleepy, and I think that's that's one of the. Yes, well, I also take the CBD oil to help the inflammation from my rheumatoid arthritis, and my gut inflammation from my Crohn's disease, and it has helped me tremendously. I don't. I do have pain here and there, and I do have some issues uh, dealing with my Crohn's, but it's not like what it was prior to not taking the medical cannabis. And I really feel this is a more natural way for me to treat my diseases versus pharmaceutical. Yeah. I'm not, nothing against pharmaceuticals, but um, like the medication that I was on for my Crohn's disease, which is called Humira. It's an immunosuppressant uh, drug, which suppresses my immune system so my body quits attacking itself. Yes, that sounds great in theory, but I have a problem with suppressing my immune system. I, my body needs its immune system, and I don't. I need it to help, you know, fight off viruses. As we were talking, um, it, and it it helps overall. Your immune system is for overall good health, and and to suppress it, it almost like yes, I'm suppressing my disease symptoms, but now I'm having other issues. You the 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 only the fly in that that report or your anecdotal report is that mm -hmm. unfortunately since uh, cannabis has not been legalized or any, the, the individual uh, chemicals haven't been legalized, we, we don't have significant or any scientific studies that say this works or doesn't work mm -hmm. because it's possible that your improvement is a result of placebo effect rather than the actual drug. Oh, and the FDA is very, very strict about that kind of thing. Yeah, and, so. and that's and that's the pro, that's the problem. What I and the, and what I see in a lot of the cannabis. If so, in in in, in Colorado, it's it's legal. You go into a cannabis place, and they they really sell it as a panacea. Mm -hmm. We can cure everything here. Here's something you rub on yourself here, and it'll fix that. And here you rub, and they take these, and it'll help that. And this kind helps this, and this kind. You know, we can cure anything. Mm -hmm. But the reality is. No, they can help with a couple things, maybe, but even then you don't have solid scientific evidence you need to have to, for us as a, as a community or as a physician to make that decision. Well, and I think it's also keywords, too. Instead of saying, you know, I think the, the cannabis, you know, people that are pro-cannabis should not use the word cure because it doesn't cure anything. What it does is put things in remission. Like well, it, maybe it does. Yeah. So I I believe that my uh, rheumatoid, my inflammation, it's, with autoimmune diseases, um, especially you're dealing with inflammation in the body. And what it does is the cannabis helps reduce that inflammation, which I believe physically yeah. so, I feel as, is go. happening. So you are believing, mm -hmm. not knowing. 
Yes. Those are two different things. But I have taken blood tests, and my inflammatory markers have gone down since I started using medical cannabis. And it's possible those medical markers could have gone down by themselves. It could be, too. And that's I mean, and that, because I can tell you another story. Mm-hmm. I have a close friend who uh, suffered, uh, developed a serious rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. when he was older. He couldn't get around. He just was unable to get up and around. Everything He hurt all over. Mm-hmm. And he was given the advice, why don't you try the cannabis store and they can help you? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, sure enough, his, his wife went there and they said, oh, sure. Oh, uh, we can help you here. Rub this on your joints, and then take these take these gummies, and be, you know, and everything is going to be you know, it's going to be flutter ponies and rose colored glasses. Mm-hmm. He did it. It did nothing for him. Oh, it did zero, okay. nothing for them. So that's why we have to have studies to help us understand that because mm-hmm. there, it is going to help a number of people. Yes. it's going to help with a number of things. Will the can will the CBD oil help you when you're wearing pumps? Uh, I don't know about that, but maybe it, I, I'm not wearing pumps, <laughs> you know, but to, you know, it I, may or may not help. But I do have some topical stuff that I've gotten from the dispensary. So like if my knee hurts or something, I can put some of that on there. It's, I have a CBD, like, um, it's almost like a Vicks vapor, like a Vaseline almost. Um, I've, I'll put some of that on that. And then I also have like this, it's almost like a deodorant stick and, and it has a little bit we, of THC. And we have to do... Double blind mm-hmm. prospective studies to show whether there's any benefit. Because oh, I, sure. I, I that's the other problem is how do you do a double blind study with that kind of thing? Oh, you say here's your deodorant. Well, yeah, you know? that sure, but and like your, vaping here, it. Here's your goo. You oh, know? they could vape. You could say here's here's your vaping. You vape this, and you're going to feel better because it has you know. Well, but it, someone's it, going to know if they're high or not, though. Well, but some you would of the, think that some of the uh, well, the CBD doesn't you know CBD it makes doesn't you tired. Yeah, it, doesn't. it can make you tired. Right. You can take it in large. <laughs> quantities but you don't get the head but high. not but you don't get what they don't get that head high the head rush that's what <laughs> that, 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 that's what 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 butthead would always say to beavis yeah. you lick the frog it packs an awesome head rush mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well see like what gives you that head high is that thc and what's nice about the dispensaries is that they have products that have no thc or there's like different ratios where mm-hmm. it could be like what pro- oh, wait, 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 wait 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 what products at the dispensary have no thc because they that's why ones, they're there. But they have ones that are just straight CBD. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm yep. sorry. But then they have oh, ones so, where it's like yeah. a percentage THC. Okay. Like Yeah, there's THC and then there's cannabidiol, which is basically the other active compound. Mm-hmm. See, like my CBD oil I have is mostly CBD, but it has a little bit of THC in it. But then I can get ones that's just all straight CBD oil, or I can get one that has more THC and less CBD oil. It just depends on what you're treating, how they look at it, depending it, on what they're treating. What your belief system is. Yes. Because it's a belief system, not science. And, and that's something we really – and you know, I want people – I have no problem with mm-hmm. legalizing it as long as people don't smoke. I don't want people smoking. Well, yeah, 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 smoking it's anything. I, I, I knock yourself out. If you need this for recreation, for what you think is going to help you medically – I think you should have it. But before these dispensaries, you know, become physicians and trying to develop a subculture of unproven medicine, I think we need to have studies. Yeah. And I, so we should, we should get it all legalized nationwide. Then let's get the studies done, which will take three to five years to see what helps. If it's helped glaucoma, use it. If it, You know, one thing that I've always thought of, 
you know, in anesthesia, people get sick to their stomach afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're waking up, give people a couple puffs of T- uh, CBD or THC or some combination, boom, you might be able to reduce the risk of nausea and vomiting after a general anesthetic. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a, a legitimate re- But you can't do that until you have evidence that says this works because it's possible you would do that and make things worse. Mm-hmm. And until you know that, you just – it, that's the hard part. It's just so, so difficult, particularly getting those double-blind studies. A prospect of double-blind studies is the real science that can help us with that. Well, at this point, it looks like Max's phone is uh, not going to start working, unfortunately. Oh, okay. well, hold on. Have... Oh. Oh. We... I, I've, I've been here for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, for some reason, we couldn't hear you. I wonder if something Yeah, we needed. started. Yeah, we tried talking to you, but oh, we didn't geez. hear anything. Oh, well, we'll have to reschedule you. Yeah, said, we only I, have like two everything minutes. Everything I said that you, you, that you heard, I, 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 I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could, I'll, 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 still, I'll still put up links um, real quick. I mean, we can yeah, we'll have get you back, back on, on the show to discuss everything. But, yeah, you are on a mission to educate the world about the true value and benefits of cannabis. And that you are powered by over 600 world-leading cannabis doctors, scientists, researchers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders with their um, expert. You, you have video. So do you have like a YouTube channel? Or is this all on your website? Because I did see something that there was. Yeah, all, all on the website. Okay. And there, there was We've like. got about 1,500 hours. Oh, wow. So, because I saw something where, is YouTube starting to take down pro-cannabis videos? Or are they... they are, right, yeah. Our, 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 our YouTube channel got shut down for being a cannabis education channel. Are you serious? YouTube's shutting down everything now. <laughs> They're getting really, like, it's almost like they don't want to but the, but succeed anymore. But they'll keep up videos of people beating each other up and other people cheering them on. This is, to me, that's that's asinine. Well, um, I will post a link to, since we've been talking about cannabis for the last almost 15 minutes, um, I'll post a link to your website so people know where to go, and we'll have to uh, book you back on the show. I'm sorry, there must have been a glitch or something, because, yeah, we could not hear you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, am a pro, I am a pro-cannabis. I think it helps a lot of people in, in great many aspects, whether it's depression, anxiety, physical uh, issues of pain, a chronic pain, which I am in all the time. And I I have benefited from it. And I know a couple other people who have benefited from it. So thank you so much for all the great work that you do. And hopefully we'll get you on the show here soon. Yeah, I'd be happy to come back. I had lots of thoughts in the discussion you guys were having, but we'll save it for the next round of, of conversation. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for at least popping on for a couple of minutes. Um, that'll do it for today. Uh, thanks for listening. I am Cassie Schrader, Schrader. I was filling in for Tom today, and we will be back tomorrow. Dave will be filling in for the next two days, uh. and then Tom will, <laughs> Tom will be back, and Catherine will be back, I believe, on Friday. They are in Cuba having a grand old time in the beautiful island of Cuba, so hopefully they'll come back all refreshed from a nice vacation. But thanks for listening, and that is it for the Tom Bernard Show.